I am just sick and tired of the sheer arrogance of the oil and gas industry. It's on display wherever I look. And today, I want to go through some of their documented playbook. Not only did that industry spend over $1 billion in lobbying since the Paris Agreement in 2015, really just to muddy the waters and confuse the public, but they've also hijacked the UN climate talks. I covered that in some detail in a previous podcast, but essentially that industry appointed the CEO of one of the world's largest oil companies as the president of the United Nations climate talks this year. And that's just somewhere between ridiculous and just mad. They also the oil and gas industry, continue to headline conferences around the world where basically the same group of about two to 6,000 people, depending on the conference, walk around with all the conviction in the world that they have won. What does one mean for them? One means that they think they're going to continue to flood the world with oil and gas. Well, guess what? They aren't winning. I've also covered that side of things in previous podcasts, but in a nutshell, we have under the surface exponential change in fundamental areas where oil and gas is currently being used. The electricity system is being decarbonized, and by 2030, it's going to look completely different from what it looks today. You can see that already in the trend. Electricity from solar power is now the cheapest electricity in the history of the world. Electric cars, electric scooters, electric three-wheelers are going to dominate by 2030 with market shares of up to 90% of all the new ones being sold, and so on. But first, do people at these oil and gas conferences and do the fake think tanks and fake voices around that industry even have an idea of what we've been through the last few weeks? And this is just the last few weeks, one can go numb looking at the floods taking place around the world. Here's a quick overview of what happened. In Greece, catastrophic floods devastated the central part of the country. Some areas got more rain in one day than they're supposed to see in a year or two. No infrastructure we have built can support that type of sudden extreme weather. None. Think about our richest cities. What would happen if London or Singapore or Tokyo received two years' worth of rain in one day? The infrastructure would be absolutely destroyed. We just can't cope with that. 
and the Greeks couldn't. Also in the last few weeks, massive floods overwhelmed Hong Kong. They overwhelmed Shenzhen in China. They overwhelmed Toledo in Spain. India was also partly overwhelmed in the state of Maharashtra. Brazil had powerful floods. Bulgaria became underwater for a period in early September. Istanbul was overwhelmed. So were parts of Morocco, Oman, Guatemala, Mexico, the United States, and now Libya. This is just insane. And it's all driven by the oil and gas industry and its tactics to continue to make matters worse in order to focus on short-term paychecks. Governments also continue to double down and side with oil and gas, broadly speaking, with fossil fuel subsidies, so the amount of money that we actually subsidize that industry with in order to make matters worse for ourselves are at a record of $7 trillion in 2022, so last year. Up $2 trillion since 2020. And I said up. Climate emergency on the one hand, and on the other hand, we're increasing support for the industry driving that climate emergency. This is a worrying path. We may be transforming our economies so that our lifestyles are all fueled by clean and healthy energy. However, we're simply not doing it fast enough. And climate chaos is already here. And next, I want to take you through some public disclosures, the gas industry made by mistake, of all the tricks and lobbying that it's been doing around the world in the last few years. Welcome to episode 77 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Razouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. So, a few months ago, we learned that a dark gas industry lobbying group called the International Gas Union was coordinating a global campaign to rebrand gas as green and has been doing it for years. And how did we learn that? We learned that because by mistake, that dark group put up on their website all sorts of documents that they should not have. And that's what their own documents disclosed. So anytime you hear words like low carbon associated with gas or gas as a transition fuel or gas as necessary for our future, that lobbying group of the gas industry has something to do with it. Their own documents said the climate change debate is potentially existential for the global natural gas value chain and regulatory changes 
combined with less access to finance could have highly damaging effects on them. So what did they do? They developed a clear communications strategy, which was regionally specific. So Australia, for example, got different messages than Southeast Asia, which got different messages from other parts of the world. And it was all around the communication strategy, the greening of gas. So let's take something dirty and let's present it as green. And how do we do that? And it was also centered around selling gas as critical for sustainable development and societal needs. They then had a list of targets, the European Union, the AIIB, the World Bank, and many others that they listed, and an outreach strategy by penetrating think tanks and leaning on journalists at key publications around the world. And their goals were transparent and written down. Kill concerns about gas as a fossil fuel, even though, of course, it is a fossil fuel. And not only that, it's the dirtiest fossil fuel in many ways because it leaks at every stage of its production and all the way to end use. Their second objective was to disrupt the climate policy agendas. And the third one was to defend and enhance the role of gas. And they've developed a lot of what we are reading these days in the press and hearing on TV. For example, things like gas is important to support renewable energy. Don't know how they sold that one, but that's one of their key messages. Or that the gas industry is investing in hydrogen and that therefore any government restrictions on developing new gas would slow the energy transition even though they know and we know that we can't have and we don't need any new oil and gas. Then they had more subtle techniques. So, for example, they grouped methane, which is normally known as a fossil gas, with hydrogen to increase its acceptance. A few years ago, one of their messages, which did not withstand the test of time, was to sell gas from Europe to Russia as secure and constant and therefore necessary. Now, as you might guess, right after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that group, the International Gas Union, immediately switched to selling the benefits to European energy of, guess what, natural gas from the United States instead of Russia. And these people at the International Gas Union really have no morals. So instead of discussing the potentially existential threat of climate change, to them, what they were discussing was that the threat of climate change was not to humanity, but to themselves, the global natural gas value chain. And their whole gig was not to look at how fossil gas contributed to climate change, but instead find positive messages to defend and enhance the role of gas. This international gas union is nothing less than the spokesperson for the gas industry worldwide. 
It's got all the bad guys, 150 members, including people like Shell and Total and Sampra and Exxon, amongst many others. It claims it's 90% of the global gas market. And it organizes something called the World Gas Conference to bring together all the gas industry professionals, as well as those they want to influence. People from the World Bank, the United Nations Environment Program, the International Maritime Organization, the International Energy Agency, and so on. And basically everything that they say is just blatant lies. And I'll give you a few examples. Take gas in the global energy mix. The science says, and the science means the IPCC in this context, that we need to cut gas use by something like 70% by 2050 from where we are today in order to limit warning to 2C and about 50% of global gas reserves must not be touched. The International Gas Union takes that and turns it upside down. So according to them, natural gas will both play important roles in global energization and decarbonization, which is patently false, because it must not. Similarly for fossil gas infrastructure. The IPCC, so the science, argues that existing fossil fuel installations in the new power sector need to be decommissioned. They need to be used less, and new installations should be cancelled. Instead, these guys, the IGU, sell a message that says that their members have in the past and will in the future play a key role in gas supply and market development. And so they aren't going to stop developing anything unless they are stopped. And they push very hard the argument that coal should be replaced by natural gas, even though the truth is that it's existential that both coal and natural gas are phased out. And then, of course, there are the arguments that new natural gas infrastructure and more gas use can help Africa and can reduce energy poverty, which couldn't be more false since the fossil fuel industry has failed about a billion people, even though it's been around for 200 years. And even though the IPCC, so the science, shows that decentralized and on-grid renewables are the best options to provide universal access to electricity to everyone. Then their documents actually name who they're targeting. So global financial institutions and development-focused banks, and then they name the World Bank, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, the African Development Bank, the Islamic Development Bank, and the Asian Development Bank. Separately, they want to target large international bodies, and they name them. International Energy Agency, International Renewable Energy Agency, COP, the Sustainable Energy for All, UN Environment, OECD, etc. Finally, they want to target regional policymakers, and that's the European Commission, the U.S. Department of Energy, the China National Energy Administration, and so on. They actually name exactly who 
they're going to try and go and sell lies to. And because of the amount of money that they have and the sheer lobbying dollars that they deploy, they actually do get these meetings. And then they do get to spread this bullshit. And they themselves write that this effort to green gas started in 2020. And there is certainly lobbying evidence from the International Gas Union and its members to prove it, including one of the European Union's most debated policies, something called the Sustainable Finance Taxonomy. So the taxonomy was initially put together to provide the financial community with a list of what is an environmentally sustainable activity so that they are able to clearly distinguish between what is and what isn't sustainable. And that was consistent with EU law and the EU goal of achieving net zero emissions by 2050. So the European Commission put together a technical expert group and the technical expert group advised what these sustainable activities are, and their advice excluded natural gas. Then, organizations like the International Gas Union and its members conducted a sustained attack selling that green gas crap. For example, in October 2020, 57 gas industry groups and companies, the International Gas Union being just one of them, but 57 of them sent a letter to the European Commission arguing for the inclusion of fossil gas in the taxonomy. And in that letter, they used what now sounds familiar, because it's everywhere, crap language to say that fossil gas could help meet climate neutrality goals with the scaling up of all decarbonization options, including natural, renewable, and decarbonized gases. So there you are. They also invented something called renewable natural gas, which is just that, an invention. And guess what happened? Rather than listen to its own expert group, the European Commission sided with the gas industry. That's how good and powerful and rich these people are. A humongously big gas conference was recently hosted in Singapore, and it's called GasTech. And just glancing through its website, you can see all these themes that I just talked about, all these talking points, which were deliberately put together to deceive, all over the sessions of that conference. All that bullshit about green gas, about gas as a transition fuel, about how we need it to combat poverty and to help Africa, all that stuff is all over that conference. And it's actually all over most energy conferences around the world, still to this day in 2023. And then you've got the people that just simply swallow it. So... In a recent example, I saw an interview by the head of GasTech, 
a guy called Christopher Hudson, speaking to Channel News Asia, a regional TV network, about gas tech. And they basically gave him several minutes where the guy were just speaking guff for several minutes without being questioned on anything that he said. It was almost like a propaganda outlet for the gas industry. And of course, what he said was straight out of that playbook by the International Gas Union that I described. He just said things like how the world needs more affordable energy and must come off coal, hence the role for natural gas, and how that is the pragmatic approach to the energy transition. And prepare yourself. These are exactly the same messages you're going to hear by the oil and gas industry at the UN Climate talks that are coming up in Dubai at the end of November or COP28. And nothing could be further from the truth. Every article in every newspaper about gas, every TV interview must describe the impact that gas is having on the planet and must question statements by that industry, especially now that we have all their papers and we know that all their statements are deliberately concocted to deceive. It just kills me that in 2023, we still have to listen to that. I still have to watch interviews on TV with reporters not questioning the clear lies that they're being told. I mean, that has to stop. And you know, don't get any of this wrong. We are on a path to destroy this planet. Because even though we will transform our economies into ones fueled by clean energy, even though we will do that, what will happen is we will do that too late. What we're talking about now is whether the planet is going to warm two degrees or three degrees above pre-industrial times. That's already a planetary disaster. Now, everything we do matters. Because obviously, 2 degrees is better than 2.1, which is better than 2.2, and so on. But we have no choice but to escalate. These people, like those at the International Gas Union, they must be exposed. And few people realize it. But this is a form of war. This is a war waged by large oil and gas corporations against the people, against everybody. That's what this is. And therefore, it needs to be fought in that way. We have to litigate more. We have to peacefully protest more. We have to communicate more. And everybody should get on with it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 77 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Razouk, and have a great couple of weeks.